If you have your Bibles this morning, I would invite you to open up the Word of God to Psalm 80. Psalm 80. This is the Psalm of God's Vine. And the title of the message this morning will be The Condition of the Vineyard. In this psalm, Asaph describes exactly what God was doing in the book of Exodus in the story of Moses and in that journey of redemption. He mentions that he brought a vine out of Egypt and he made room for it and he planted it and he called it, caused it to flourish. And that's part of what is under consideration in Psalm 80, that God did that and how that he blessed it, but through uh, neglect, through disobedience, uh, that that vine had come under a terrible condition that the psalmist is asking God to forgive, that, that the psalmist is asking God to restore the vitality and the and the vigor and the blessedness of of the vine again and of the vineyard. And so the message today is about the condition of the vineyard. God has had three great vineyards in this world. The first was the Garden of Eden. Do you remember it? How beautiful, how perfect that it was. And man through his disobedience, our Father Adam and our mother Eve, through their disobedience, they were banished from the Garden of Eden. Do you remember that? And the Lord put a great angel in front of it with a flaming sword to guard uh, the entrance to that. And so that was the first great garden or vineyard of the Lord. And then the vineyard that is under consideration here is the vineyard of the nation and the people and the descendants of Abraham and how God brought them out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and he removed the heathen out of the land of, of Canaan and made them into a land and a people that was flowing with milk and honey, a people that were blessed above all the nations of the earth. And we know now that we live in God's third great planting. We live in the church vineyard, in the vineyard of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is to that kingdom that we want to think about and let our minds turn toward today the most. What is the condition of the vineyard in our day? And we want to consider our labor in that vineyard. I want you to really think about your place in the vineyard. Even in our own Assembly here, we are a part of a great vineyard, but, but we are one of the vineyards of God. You know, what are you doing uh, as a part of the vineyard to make the vineyard flourish? How long has it been since you just called one of the pastors of this church and just said, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Your messages uh, are being a great blessing to me, and I want to encourage you in the Lord. Or maybe... How long has it been since you just called one of our uh, sick ones or shut-in ones or, or sent a card? Or are you, are you giving financially to the kingdom? Uh, when we worship, do you, 
Do you try to focus and concentrate and, and give yourself wholly uh, to worship and, and to the Word of God or the different ministries of the church or just being involved in different people's lives and the way that you care. You know, Solomon said in his one of his writings, he said, they made me keeper of the vineyards, right? But my own vineyard I haven't kept. And so... Each one of us, the way that we live personally in our, in our devotional lives, in our prayer lives, and the way that we try to live out the gospel and the love of Jesus practically, that all uh, gives vitality uh, and growth and blessing to the vineyard and glory to God because it's the fruit of the vineyard that God is interested in, uh, that, that brings him glory and does good. In this world, so it's a, a thing for us to to really think about and to challenge ourselves. Lord, help me to reach my full potential in in your vineyard. If I'm a if I'm a vine, if I'm part of the vine and I'm one of your branches, Lord, help me to be one that brings forth much fruit uh, for your glory and for your honor. Try not to think about anybody else today, about how they're doing and how they should be doing better, but just think about yourself. Lord, help, just pray, Lord, help this message to, to penetrate uh, my heart. Let, let, like the vine does the good ground. Lord, let, let me dig down deep. Let me sink deep root into this truth, Lord, and, and may I grow and flourish. And may we, as an assembly, and may the church in our day be greatly blessed. So this is the psalm of the vine, and we're talking about the condition of the vineyard. So, you know, you could be thinking about your own heart, your own family and marriage. You could be thinking about our church together, or you could be thinking about all the family of God in the earth that at this time, the great uh, universal church or the church local and the visible church as well. So just think about this and how it applies as we read through the psalm together. Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubims shine forth. So Stopping right there, this is a great prayer to Jesus Christ, isn't isn't it? Because the Jehovah that led Israel through the wilderness and planted them in Canaan and was their God is the same person and figure that is our Lord Jesus Christ that is the great and good and chief and our shepherd of the church. He is the one that leads us. He is the one that dwells between the cherubims. He says, before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up thy strength and come and save us. And here begins the earnestness of what he's asking God to do for us and what we should ask God to do for us, what I need to ask God to do for me. Turn us again. We need to be turned, beloved, because there are so many things in this world and in our lives that would get our focus and our eyes off of Jesus Christ, off of the kingdom, off of our primary purpose in this world, which is to serve and glorify God 
and love Jesus Christ in His church. Amen? And are there not many things that try to turn us, take our attention, take our focus off of that, of making that a priority in our lives? That's so much of what the devil is trying to do with all of us. But may the Lord hear our prayer today. May, this, may the prayer of Asaph in his day be our prayer as well. Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Beloved, this is, this is what we need. Uh, and, the, and the psalmist is right. So often it is not God that has turned away from us, but it is us that has turned away from God. And if we would turn away from the world, if we would turn away from our flesh and we would turn, we would see the smiling face of God and feel His love and blessing. And He says, Lord, it's only You that can save us. You know, that's the only hope that we have for our church here. It's the only hope that we have for our lives personally. It's the only hope that we have for our country. I can only imagine the vineyard in Ukraine right now how that they have seen their homes destroyed they have seen their jobs and their economy destroyed they have seen friends and family perish and die in front of them but you know what Putin and the Russian army has not been able to take away from them is the church of the living God it is still there it is still among them beloved and they, it has not taken away their hope in Jesus Christ Oh, beloved, we, it is times of, of prosperity that we need these kind of messages uh, the most because it is times of prosperity like that we have. We live in the lap of luxury. You know, we, we all have been complaining about the gas prices and the food prices, and it is not the way that we would like it. And I know it is a real burden on a, a lot of people, but it is an amazing, like, even in this that we've experienced through COVID and this inflation, how God continues to provide for us. Oh, God is so good. And may we we, um, praise Him for that. And when we have an opportunity to make things better, may we do so by God's grace. But, beloved, the hope that we have for the vine, for our own lives, for our own marriage, for our own church, it is the shepherd. It is the Lord of hosts. And so he begins again. Go back with me to verse 4. O Lord God of hosts, how long will thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? That God would display anger toward our prayers. There's only one reason that God would show anger toward our prayers. It is either the heart with which we are praying them. Remember like the publican, how proud he was. I thank thee, Lord, that I'm not as other men and I do all these things and I'm especially thankful that I'm not like this publican over here. It could be the heart with which we pray that angers God or it could be the things that we are asking God for anger his heart because they know they are counterproductive to our lives and to his will. So one of the things that we need to make sure of and take check of in our minds and our hearts and our lives is our prayer lives. Lord, what is my heart? How is my heart when I'm praying to you? Oh, Lord, help it to be humble. 
Help it, help it to have in its agenda your glory, your honor, and the good of your uh, people, that it is holy ends that I'm praying and, and seeking. And then, Lord, help me to pray for the right things. Amen. You know, it came to such a point with this vine, with this vineyard. Remember in the days of Jeremiah, Jeremiah the weeping prophet. Oh, he knew that judgment was coming against this vine. He knew that judgment was coming against this uh, vineyard. And he, and he would ask God, God, please, please uh, don't uh, bring this destruction upon your vine. Please, Lord, be long-suffering, be merciful. And you know that at one point, this is really scary. God told Jeremiah the prophet, he said, I want you to quit praying for this people. That's awful, isn't it? Uh, to think about God's heart being so grieved that he would even ask the man of God not to pray for the people of God. But such can our condition become sometime. And so he continues on with this, this thought. Thou feedest them with the bread of tears and giveth them tears to drink in great measure. So this is a condition of sorrow. It is a condition of, 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 I imagine, like Jeremiah was when he wrote the book of Lamentations, right? How that, that he, he just saw everything uh, that he had once loved, uh, the temple destroyed, the people of God uh, taken uh, captive, uh, the city of Jerusalem burnt and destroyed to the ground, and, and when, we, when we see, you know, it's so sad sometimes when you drive around, especially for those of us that are primitive Baptists, and we go by these different places where the vine used to be flourishing. Uh, the saints used to be worshiping and singing. And the gospel used to be being proclaimed. And now they're museums. Now, now their, their doors are closed and no one meets there anymore. And we see churches that we've known and loved in our lives languishing without, without pastors, without hardly any future. And it is like the bread of tears and the drink of, of tears. Verse 6, he says, Thou makest us a strife unto our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Remember how they did this even to Jesus Christ when he was on the cross. Oh, he saved others. Himself he, he cannot save. Oh, you're really uh, the true church of God. Then, you know, why, do, why are your buildings so small? Why are your numbers, you know, uh, uh, so small? How come almost all of your preachers have to work for a living? And so we, we can hear these same types of laughing and strife even in our world. And here he asks again the great, the great prayer of the psalm, three times it's mentioned. Verse 7, And what, what the psalmist is asking for is for revival. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. That's what he's longing for. That's what he's begging for. He realized, Lord, that's our greatest need is you and your glory and your presence, Lord. And that's what we all need the most. In our day, 
Now he begins the history that we talked about. Verse 8. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt, and thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. Thou preparest room before it, and did cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. Oh, he's looking back and, and remembering how wonderful it was, how blessed it was. It says the hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the bows thereof were like the goodly cedars, and, and how it grew and was blessed. She sent out her bows into the sea and her branches into the river. And so that's what we said. You know, question yourself. Challenge yourself. What am I doing to help Providence Church grow? Who, who am I asking the Lord uh, to give me opportunity to uh, invite or, or, or to minister uh, to? Uh, how involved, how much of myself am I giving uh, to Zion, Lord, to help it to flourish and be what you intended it uh, to be. Yes, oh, what a beautiful picture that that is. You know, isn't it, isn't it an awesome thing to go into a garden? Oh, I love to go in Georgia to Callaway Gardens and, and see the effort, to see the horticulture, to see uh, the care that has been given to that place and to see the pristine Beauty of it, you know, the, those of us that love golf, the Masters is about to be played again. And besides, uh, you know, watching the good golf, the, the course there, it's just, it's almost unbelievably beautiful and almost perfect uh, to the eye, the way that they, they care for it. Beloved, we, we want the church to be that way. We, we want Zion to be that way. It is God's greatest gift. To us, it is what his heart is toward the most. He doesn't care as much about our houses or about our cars or about our occupations and jobs and grades and all these other things that we put so much prerogative on God's love and care. He didn't die for my house. He didn't die for my car. He died for the church. Of the living God and His bride. That's what He cares for. That's what He wept over. Even when He was in this world. Oh beloved. May we pray for this. May we see this. May you say God open up my eyes to see the condition of the vineyard. It's very easy to, to turn a blind eye. It's very easy to say, oh, Lord, let somebody else do this because I'm too busy, Lord. Mm, may the Lord bless us not to have that spirit. So he asked these questions of the shepherd. He asked these questions of the one that leads Joseph like a flock. He asked these questions to the only one that has the power and the remedy and the, the healing balm that the vineyard needs to the husbandman. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges, so that all which pass by the way do pluck her? Why is my personal life falling apart? Why is my marriage falling apart? Why is my 
family falling apart? Why is the church that I'm a part of, why is it not experiencing the glory and, and the, the blessing that it could? Oh, beloved, beloved, there's only one reason that God would allow this to happen to the, to the church and to His vineyard and to His beloved. And we all know the answer to it. It's because of our inconsistent living. It is because of that our love has been displaced to what it should be. And when God does that in His mercy, when He sees us falling into that condition, He will remove His blessing. He will remove His felt presence that we might be chastised, that we might realize, oh no, we've forgotten that. That was most important. Do you remember in the Song of Solomon when the husbandman came and he knocked on the door and the, the wife, she was too lazy to get up and open the door. She said, I've already gone to bed. I've already put my bedclothes on. And she didn't go and open the door for the husband. And then her heart stirred her and she said, oh, I, I did wrong. And, and she went and she opened the door and the husband was gone. And then she had to go and she had to search frantically for her lover. Oh, Lord, why have you broken down her hedges? He, and he talks about, now he talks about that that was within and now without too. The boar of the wood doth waste it and the wild beast of the field doth devour it. What a terrible condition to think about a vineyard, right? A, a closed garden that is precious and is beautiful that the hedges would be broken down and nobody repair them. That no one would guard it from the forces that would uh, come within and just destroy and, and ravage it and, and destroy years of, of labor and of, of love and what it would mean for the generation uh, to come. Oh, may the Lord bless us to see those that would be raised up to have a heart for the vineyard, for, for its care, for its protection. Oh, and, and most of all, we need the return of the Lord to us. He says, verse 14, Return, return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven, see the condition, Lord. You know, God's eyes are, are eyes that are full of mercy and compassion, aren't they? The Lord Jesus Christ, He is a faithful Father that, that doesn't just, um, you know, placate us in our, in our sin, but also he is, he is willing to come and He is willing to heal us. He is, he is willing to wash us of our filthiness, of our sin, and, and give us strength. And everything that the vineyard needs, He is ready and willing to give, and, and with His own arms help us in the labor and in the work. Right? Oh, He is. Return, we beseech Thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven with Your eyes of love and mercy, and behold the condition of the vine, and then this is what he's asking for. This is the revival. He says, and visit this vine. Oh, yes. 
Oh, yes, the presence of the husbandman. You know, Jesus would talk in his parables about this, wouldn't he? That a certain man planted a vineyard, right? And then he went away and he gave people to, to care for it. But then in time he would return. Oh, beloved, how we need to return to him. We need to turn to him and how we need to pray for him to return to us. We beseech thee, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and behold, and here's the prayer, and visit this vine. Make that a daily prayer in your heart. Lord, we need visits from you. Visit the vine, Lord, and the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted, and the branch that thou madest strong for thyself. He said, look, Lord, it has been burned with fire. It is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Oh, and here's the one that we look to. Here's the great picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the Son of Man, whom thou madest strong for thyself. He's saying, do it. For the glory of the name, the person, and the work of Jesus Christ. So we will not, so will not we go back from thee. Here's our word revival. It's the word quicken. It's the same in this other places it is revive. Quicken us and we will call upon thy name. And then the third time, turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. Oh, may the Lord bless even the very reading of His Word. Just some quick points here as, as we want to uh, collect our thoughts about this powerful psalm. Number one, the vineyard is blessed when God is present. Do you hear that's what Asaph is asking for most of all, is the presence of the Lord? That's what we need personally in our lives. That's what we need in our marriages, in our families, and in, our, in the church of our day is we need the presence of God. Jesus Christ is the source of the blessing of the vineyard. It is Christ himself. Turn with me to the Gospel of John very quickly as Jesus speaks of this same allegory of the church or his people or his kingdom as a vineyard in John 15. And he says this in John 15. See, the church is something that only God can bring forth and maintain. We know that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. That build it is the Lord that adds to the church daily who should be saved. You can't get yourself into the vineyard or into the vine. You have to be placed in it by God Himself. Israel of old could not free themselves from Egypt. But Israel was rescued from Egypt as we have been from the world in which we were born. And we have been placed into the vine, into the vineyard. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now listen, the key is the presence of Christ. Abide in me. 
and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Listen to this. Oh, I highlight it. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and it is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus said, the source of strength for the blessing and the fruitful of the vineyard, it doesn't come within us. It's not based on our power or our strength or our talents or our money or our wisdom. But it's in our connection. It's in our relationship. It's in our closeness. It's in our imitation of Christ. As He is the vine, I want to be the branch. As He loved the church and gave Himself for it, I want to love the church and give myself for it. As He gave His very best to it, I want to give my best to it as well. And I want to beg Him, and I want to plead with Him as Asaph did, and as the the disciples loved the presence of Christ among them, Beloved, that is the key to the blessing of the vineyard is the presence of God. Oh, how much that we need Him. And how easy it is to forget. Because, let's face it, beloved, we can go through the motions, can't we? (laughs) We can. Especially here in the South, it's, it's almost our second nature, you know, to go to church, to do church, and but beloved, uh, it 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 can very easily become just tradition, just something that we do out of habit. And I'll just tell you that that is a stench in the nostrils of God. That is a rotting, withering vineyard when it becomes that. I love the story that they tell about the Taj Mahal. I don't know if if all of you have ever heard it, but it's an amazing story. This prince fell in love with the princess and they were married and the the father of the prince died and he became the king and his wife that he loved, uh, Mahal, she was about to give birth to their first child. Well, she died in childbirth and the, the king, the prince who became the king was devastated. So he said, to show my love for Mahal, I'm going to build her the most beautiful tomb the world has ever seen. And so he emptied out his treasuries. He got craftsmen from all over the world. They went and found a piece of land, and the construction began, and they brought the casket of Mahal and put it in the center of the work because it was all about her. And so years and years and years and years went by, and, and they finally finished the Taj Mahal. And the king came, and he was looking at the beauty of it all, and he said, well, where did you, where's my wife? Where's the body of my love? And do you know that in all the work and in all the labor, 
her casket and body had been shoved aside into the ru- into the rubble, and they had lost it. And uh, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully for all their sakes, because <laughs> they probably all would have been killed, they they found it. And I don't know if you know this, but underneath the Taj Mahal, Mahal and the king are buried, and their bodies are turned uh, facing each other. I think that's romantic. It's kind of kind of neat. But uh, the point is, is that you can get so busy doing things and lose sight of the main thing of what the church and Christianity is all about. And it's all about falling in love with Jesus Christ over and over and over again. And that is the vitality. That is the blessedness of the vineyard is when the Lord is present. Oh, beloved, I hope that if you ever came into this church and that you left and you said, I didn't feel the presence of the Lord today, I hope it would cause you to shudder. I hope it would cause you to go home and and get on your knees and say, Lord, something's wrong with me or something's wrong with the church. Lord, whatever it is, fix it. But every time that you do come and you feel the presence of the Lord in the singing, and you hear the Spirit of the Lord in the praying. And you feel the power of God and the truth in the preaching. You go home and you praise God. God, thank you for blessing the vineyard today. Thank you for being with us. You made it worth it all. I heard some of our sisters, some of our older sisters this morning. You know, they, they came limping in uh, to the church. They, they said, oh, I hope this Tylenol kicks in so my knees... Quit hurting. You know, I've never even had to think about that yet uh, in my life. But, oh, that, that you could say, oh, it was worth it all. Oh, I've heard the old saints say that. It's, it's worth it all to be in the presence of the Lord. It's everything, beloved. If we don't have that, we don't have anything. So may we pray for it. May we try to live lives. We... Nobody lives perfectly. Nobody lives sinlessly. Y'all know that I'm not talking about that. And I'm not saying that God won't be with us if we don't live perfectly, sinlessly, holy lives. Jesus would have never came to the earth. He, he never would have lived with the apostles if that was the case. That's not the case. But, but it is the case if we're sincere and authentic. And if we are sinning, we are confessing it to God and we're seeking to repent of it and turn from, from it for His glory and the good of the church. Because I tell you, when we have unconfessed sin in our lives, it prevents the blessing of the whole church. If you don't believe that, you're in, you're in serious confusion and darkness. Don't think that your sin and my sin that is unconfessed and unrepented of does not affect the whole body it does we learned that story right in the story about Achan do you remember how he took the Babylonian garment and the silver and he thought it's not going to affect anybody else from me and he hid it underneath uh, his tent and then the whole the whole nation was put in fear and trembling because they were defeated by that little town of Ai and hallelujah, they had a good leader. He said, man, God wasn't with us. Something's wrong. Oh, beloved, the vineyard is blessed 
when God is present. And that's why Asaph asked for it again and again. Lord, what we need is you. We need your return. And we need you to turn us to you. Another thing that's awesome to me in this is that the vineyard grows in the midst of and in spite of all of its enemies. Isn't this amazing, Brother Andy, that the church is still here? As much as the devil and the world hate the church and have tried to persecute the church, but the blood of the martyrs was even the seed of the church. Oh, beloved, the church can grow and be blessed even in the midst of persecution and all opposition. That's why I rejoice even though my heart weeps when I see what's going on in Ukraine. I know that God and the Spirit of God, beloved, that the people of God and the vineyard and the church there can still prevail. Because it has in every century and in every age. The deep root of the church. Did you, did you notice that in the psalm? Look at that again. There's a deep root in, in the church. And he mentions this in the planting that he did. Listen to what it said in verse 9. Thou preparest room for it. Thou preparest room before it. And didst cause it to take what? Deep root. And it filled the land. Oh, may it, may it be so with us. The church is in its best condition when she is growing both inwardly and outwardly. Go with me to the book of Isaiah very quickly. The book of Isaiah chapter 61. And let's pick up a thought here from the prophet Isaiah. Oh, I hope today your, your bowels of love, your, your heart, is, is being uh, played upon by the vine himself to, to love the vineyard. Listen to this in Psalm 61, verse 3. He says, I'm going to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. Well, what that teaches us is that even though we experience things like COVID, even though we experience things like inflation, even though we might, in, in days sooner than any of us expect, experience outward persecution that will not prevent the growth and the blessing of the church of God if they stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ. It might even strengthen it. It might even cause it uh, to be mightier than it is even at its present moment. It's amazing. God says, I planted my vine and I, I planted it in the midst of all its enemies around it. And it is taken deep root. And Jesus has done the same with the church thirdly thirdly the vineyard languishes when it is neglected and taken for granted that's when the vineyard languishes when it is neglected and taken for granted and so this is what how we can get 
Well, Lord, it's all on you, right? Well, Lord, it, it's your church, and, and you're the head of the church, and, and you have all the power. So, Lord, you know, uh, I'm just looking to you to do everything. Sounds like a story that Jesus told about the parable of the talents, right? That he gave he gifted people, and then he came back and said, okay, what did you do with what I gifted you? And the first two had done well, but then the last one said, well, Lord, I knew you were a sovereign God, and, and so uh, I just took it and I buried it, and here it is back. And the Lord took it away from him, didn't he? And he gave it to those that had done what was right. Well, the Lord has planted us. He has placed us in the vineyard. And yes, there are things that the Lord is going to do and only he can do, but he has also called us to be in partnership with him. We are God's husbandry, the scripture says. So God expects us to be good husbandmen and laborers in his vineyard. The vineyard kingdom must come first in our lives and be given the best of our talents, our time, and our devotion. And when God sees that we are hurting the vineyard, He will either take it away from us or take us away from it. And you can be sure of that. You can be sure of that. Remember what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 24. Turn with me there. So just think about in your life, how, what is your mindset toward the church, toward our assembly here? Your, your, your membership, your, your, your love for it. Even maybe some here that come and attend, but you haven't come, you're, the, you're being the bridesmaid, but not the bride, and you're kind of on the outside looking in. You have to kind of think, you know, is Christ pleased with me? Is, is, is that the way that Christ would have me to be, to just always be a visitor to the vineyard and not a part of the vineyard. Here he says in Proverbs 24, beginning in verse 30, he said, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thou won't as an armed man. Oh, I would challenge you and I would challenge me. If God has allowed us to be a part of the vineyard king, kingdom, if he has allowed us to be a branch in him, may, may we strive to have a heart to reach a 100% potential and give him everything the best of everything that we are and have and i promise you you'll never regret it what you will regret is to look back through your life and say they made me keeper of the vineyards but my own vineyard i didn't keep i was great at my job but i was a sorry dad
right? I made a lot of money, but I was a pitiful husband, right? Or I was a great family man, but, but I didn't care anything for the church of the living God. What makes you think that if you don't care for the church that is in the earth, that you will care anything for the church that is in heaven? I ask you. Oh, Lord, give us a heart for the kingdom. Help me not to be the reason that the vineyard languishes or, or is neglected. Now, fourthly and lastly, the vineyard desperately needs the visits of the shepherd and the light of his countenance. This, what we're praying for, is for revival. Pleading with this one that is called the Son of Man. What did Jesus call himself over and over and over again in the Gospels? The Son of Man. The Son of Man. Plead with the Son of Man at the right hand of God. You're pleading for the vineyard. Pray to be turned again yourself and for Christ to return in a greater manifest way in our midst and in our lives. That's what Asaph is asking for as he sees the condition of the vine in his day. Now, I rejoice to tell you, and I'm so thankful that the condition of the vine in our day, hallelujah, it's not as terrible as what we see in Psalm 80, but how quickly it could get there. How quickly it could get there. How in many facets and parts of it, it is heading that direction in our day. Oh, may we be mighty in prayer. And indeed, in our day, may we leave the church better than we found it when our time here on earth is done. May it be so, God. Give us the strength and grace for it to be so. I want to close... And I want you to go with me, lastly, to the Song of Solomon. Oh, such a, such a beautifully poetic book. And may this last verse that we read, may it, may it really stir up our hearts and be our prayer as well. Turn with me there. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. And we know that this is most specifically to be interpreted as love between a husband and wife. But it, we can also see the great allegory that is there between Christ and the church. And it's that that we look to this morning. Verse 12, a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Thy plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, camphire with spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well 
of living waters and streams from Lebanon. This is the way Christ wants to view His church. He wants the aroma of His grace and love and mercy to ascend in the earth and unto heaven itself with the aroma of the grace of God. Yes. And so, our prayer is verse 16. Awake. Awake, O north wind. And come, thou south wind. Blow upon my garden, that the spices thereof may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. May the Lord bless you and keep you as our prayer. All right.